For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions and... Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Hi, I'm Jeremy Harper co-host of Fun Belt Podcast, along with my other co-host, Dusty Thibodeau and Shane Metlin, I have a dark confession to make. This episode was supposed to feature an interview with the Monarchists, podcasters that cover the ODU Monarchs. We discussed their big win over the Cajuns over the weekend. We discussed Ricky Ronnie. We discussed who was the most intimidating coach in the Sun Belt. And uh, it was a great interview. Hats off to the Monarchists. You can find them on Twitter. You should engage with them at any time. Except we did not press record when we interviewed them. We'll have the Monarchs, the Monarchists, back some other time. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy the part of the show that we did record. This is John Summerall, head football coach at Troy. You're listening to the Fun Belt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. I got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. Played a really good team, didn't play well enough to win. Uh, a lot of credit to those guys. They're a really good team. Uh, we got to get back to work tomorrow. Welcome back to Fun Belt Podcast. My name is Jeremy Harper from thehowlraiser.com. With me, as always, is Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report and Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. The voice that preceded mine is J.G. Kenny, G.J. Kenny from Texas State. Discussing the loss to the US, UTSA Roadrunners. One day those Bobcats are going to catch those Roadrunners. Didn't happen this weekend. But there was a lot of great action that happened this weekend. Let's get started, Tibbs. There was plenty of other Week 2 action, including a couple ho-hum games. We'll get those out of the way real quick. Can we get those out of the way quick? 
Southern Miss yeah. did not fare well in the land of Florida, of Florida as they were defeated by Florida State 66-13. No 100 yards for Frank Gore. Not a great uh, showing there for the Sun Belt, but they live to play another day as they now get to take on Tulane, who beat South Alabama in week one, trying to avenge that game. Well, we we yeah. obviously need that revenge game, right? But, man, you know, I got Florida State, the number four team in the land. Those guys are playing at a very high level right now. I don't think Will Hall and Southern Miss has anything to be ashamed of, but they do need a rebound against Tulane, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if anybody's been more impressive in the first two weeks than Florida State. But yeah, um, yeah it, it's it's a big one for Southern Miss. They can they can make up for South Alabama opening week against Tulane if uh, they can make it two in a row against the Green Wave. ULM Warhawks remain the only undefeated team in the Sun Belt West, beating Lamar 24-14. I told y'all it was going to be closer than what it should have been, and it really was. They took the 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 foot off the pedal there in the second half. Able to score, though, on a blocked punt, something that hadn't happened in a while. 2-0 for the first time since 2018. But the Warhawks come to Aggieland to take Texas A&M this upcoming week. I don't think we really learned a lot about ULM this week. I don't think we'll learn a lot about this upcoming week when we when we preview that in a future episode. But for right now, we bask in 2-0 glory. You know, you're, you're, we talked a little bit offline on this, talking about the quality of the opponents and and uh, you know that they didn't that the Warhawks didn't seem to really, you know, show a lot in those wins. But wins are wins, and t- Terry Bowden is doing just a pretty good job down there at ULM collecting those wins, uh, g- coming off on that fast start. Let me tell you, as a following a team that's zero and two, two and zero is a lot better. Yeah, when you're trying to turn a program around, you never take two and zero for granted. I mean, especially when one of them's against Army, a team that like goes around and beats people. Maybe Army's not what they have been, but I mean, that's a respectable program you've beaten. And we've mentioned it around the Sun Belt. Not everybody is playing their best against FCS teams. They ought to beat fairly easily. You know, we've seen scores that aren't as big a blowout as it was maybe expected. And, you know, maybe, maybe that's the, uh, it, it's the uh, trap game between two name opponents for the, the Warhawks. Maybe they'll give Texas A&M a game here uh, on Saturday and keep, keep the Sunbelt tradition of beating the Aggies alive. Metlin, I loved your description of Army, by the way. They just go around beating teams. <laughs> <laughs> That should be their motto. We go around beating teams. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) One of the biggest games I think that we missed on this past week, and and me especially, I'm I'm starting to get heartbroken once again with the Jaggy Wires. Yes, they got the win, 35-17 over Southeastern Louisiana. A little bit of a struggle. It was 7-7 at the half. Carter Bradley manages to go just 19 of 26. 258, one TD, and a pick. It was an ugly showing for the governor. Yeah, it's been ugly for Carter Bradley, too. He this guy is 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 supposed to be one of the two premier quarterbacks in the league, the other being uh uh not Macaulay Carson. Who's 
<laughs> Who's the premier quarterback in the league? Grayson uh, McCall. Grayson McCall. <laughs> we can call him Macaulay Carson from <laughs> Macaulay Maryland. Carson. You know, Macaulay Carson, the great quarterback <laughs> from the Sun Belt. No, Grayson McCall. He, okay, he's supposed to be the 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 other the, the the one from the Sun Belt West, and he just hasn't really lit it yet. And you got to be wondering what's going on in South Alabama, what's going on with the Jags, and what's going on with Carter Bradley. The, why can't we get these guys going? Yeah, I mean, I would not be so wrapped up in a slow start for South Alabama if not for game one being one where you would expect them to come out firing with everything they have. You know, it was a slow, like, like I said before, the uninspiring performances against the FCS teams just seem to happen these days. But I, two weeks in a row of not seeing the South Alabama week or two is a little bit concerning. One of our other ho-hum games of the week. Jeremy, I'm sorry. But yeah, Memphis, go ahead. 37-3. At least the Red Wolves got a field goal this week. <laughs> so it's been two games, eight quarters, three points. It's been pretty rough if you're a Arkansas State fan. Watching the game, the first quarter, the first quarter and a half was pretty good. The defense played well. You can't actually play uh, – can't actually lay any blame on the defense. One of the touchdowns from Memphis was a pick six. Most of the touchdowns were the results of either turnovers, which Arkansas State had four of, or just the inability of the offense to move the ball more than 30 yards. Uh, it's been really frustrating for fans, aggravating for fans. The coaching staff looks like a bowling ball hit them on the top of their heads when they open the closet door. I don't know what's next for Arkansas State. They get Stony Brook next. Maybe they they figure out how to score touchdowns, and then they can salvage the season. I don't know what to say about the uh, <laughs> Red Wolves. I think Jer- Jeremy took care of it for us. It's uh, Matlin, don't it's, say anything because I just can't take it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, thirty-seven to three. Is an improvement. I think that's all we have to say. <laughs> that's better than zero, I guess. <laughs> we cut the op- opposing team score in half, and we've gotten like three hundred percent more points. So yeah. at this rate, we're going to win national championship. One of the undefeated teams in the Sun Belt East, the Fighting Darren Grangers, Georgia State Panthers, thirty-five fourteen over UConn. Darren Granger was the one-man wrecking show. 144 yards passing, 142 on the ground, one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown. It, it it was a great game for him. Now, I think the Panthers do have a little bit more work to do, giving up 276 on the passing to the Huskies. Sure. That secondary is going to have to definitely step it up uh, moving forward. Yeah, you know what, uh, At the with the first game where against Rhode Island where – Everybody was unfairly critical of Georgia State and their effort against their FCS opponent. But it was evident that it was Dan, it was Granger behind center, who was the all-star athlete. And then there's somebody else needs to step up on that team. And I don't know if that's happened yet. Uh, it doesn't look like it has. Not a you know shutdown running back or a great cornerback or, or a linebacker or a wide receiver that's going to take it all. Right now, it's just Granger and his assor- and his uh, assorted cast members. Well, Marcus Carroll, the running back, is off to a, a really good start. I mean, he's I think got close to three hundred yards in two games. Uh, 
he's been good. Granger's been good. Yeah, I'm not sure what other weapons they have outside of that, um, especially on defense. They, they really need to uh, figure something out on the defensive side of the ball. And that's been the case for a couple of years, Shane, where where the offense can have its moments, but the defense has re- been really letting them down. And for some reason, I always kind of associate Georgia State with some pretty good defensive teams. So maybe they write that ship coming up. Coastal Carolina represented getting the win over Conference USA's Jacksonville State, 30-16. to 16. Grayson McCall, good numbers, but very uncharacteristic. 268 yards passing, only one touchdown again. I don't know what's going on with the till, but hey, they're still getting the wins. It was a squeaker in the yardage where the Shants had 399, the Gamecocks 393. <laughs> Maybe there is a little bit of smoke to the, the Chadwell leaving, and, and so is the offense. Well, it could be. Uh, and, you know, it'd be hard if you're a quarterback like McCall and you've had that great relationship with the coach, and now you have to. to transition to Tim Beck, who's who's by by seems to be a good coach on his own, but there's a different system, a different way of working. And it's going to take time for McCall to do that. But you remember last year, uh <laughs> Coastal Carolina was a team that won its games in almost a you know, not a lazy fashion, just sort of a casual fashion, beating teams with the bare minimum effort. You know, if they could be a team by one, they would. And I don't know if they're just still carrying on that tradition. Yeah, this was the most like just uh Eh, game for me of the like entire slate. Like I didn't know what to make of it really. Like, you know, coastal, they got the win reasonably comfortably against the conference team um, that I think has a chance to be okay. Um, but yeah, you know, Grayson McCall's not lining it up. Nobody's talking about him as a Heisman candidate right now, as they were a couple of years ago. Um, you know, it's it's just kind of hard to know exactly what to make of the Chanticleers right now. It, I, I I look at that score, I look at you know the highlights, and I I just don't even know like where Coastal is right at this point. Couple games of the Sun Belt being able to beat the American Georgia Southern host UAB gets the win 49-35. The Thundering Herd beat the Pirates in a rain-delayed multiple times <laughs> game, but on the road with Charlie Huff doing the Huff Shuffle 31-13 over Eastern Carolina. Which one of which one of those was probably the bigger win in y'all's eyes? You know, I thought Davis Brin had a really good game against uh UAB. I and I, I don't know. I, I still don't know what to make of Marshall. I still don't know what to make of Fancher. But I, I do feel like Davis Brin is going to be a really good quarterback for Clay Helton at Georgia Southern. I, I think they're going to find that they're going to score a lot of points with him, too. I know that, you know, Trent Dilfer at UAB is a new coach. UAB, though, it's, it's, has got some pretty good history out there. Not that Eastern Carolina doesn't. I think it was a good bounce back win. <laughs> for uh for Marshall, even though they had won their first game, they just looked really terrible. I, I but I, I think I still have to go. I think the Eagles just have more promise. Yeah, I mean Georgia Southern to me has been they've had the best start in the conference. I'm not one hundred percent sure they're the best team right now, but like nobody's started and played more consistently so far this season really than Georgia Southern. Uh Marshall, I don't know 
it's hard to know how good East Carolina is right now. You know, they got they got blown out by Michigan, as you would expect. Um, so it's kind of hard to say, like, just how good of a win that is for Marshall, other than the fact that East Carolina is always a tough place to play. Yes. They've always got big, raucous crowds there. It's it's Absolutely. A, it's generally considered a good road win if you go in there. I just don't know how good of a team Mike Houston has down there in Greenville right now. I like the Marshall Thundering Herd, their defense. Micah Abram able to get two interceptions on the game and able to hold that Pirates' usually high-strung offense to 265 on the year, or in the game, rather. East Carolina, though, did themselves no favors, 11 penalties. So I like the Herd defense moving forward, but definitely in that game for sure. Wrapping up our week two action, we had a couple near misses there with App State taking North Carolina into overtime, 40-34. Roadrunners once again beat Texas State 20-13. to Out of those two, I was really surprised to see App State take that game into overtime and really hang with North Carolina, knowing that they have probably a first-round draft pick behind center, but Joey Aguilar really able to come in and and really do some big things there for that Mountaineers offense. Yeah, you know, Berger goes down. He was the guy named the starter at the beginning of the year. I believe he has a finger injury, is that right? Maybe a broken finger or something to that effect. Anyway, Aguilar comes in. Comes in, he's awesome. Could have Maybe should have been the starter from the beginning. And has a great game against North Carolina. Now, the game against uh, the Texas State and UTSA, we're talking about that a little bit offline. Uh, Once again, Texas State shows that they belong in in a discussion. And not the discussion of, oh, it's same old Bobcats. The game showed that Texas State actually is a team to reckon with. Now, they lost against a, a, a UTSA team that was really good last year. I don't know if they're really good this year, but they were really good last year. But the Bobcats aren't going away. And it's kind of too bad that they were <laughs> received so many injuries during that game. Who it, The left tackle, right, uh, went down? Uh, Jones, yeah. Yes. yeah I Nash mean, Jones. Yeah, I, I, I know from experience covering my own Red Wolves, when your best offensive lineman goes down, it's not easy to replace. But I don't think the Bobcats are going away. Uh, way to go, G.J. Kenny, for that. Yeah, for for Texas State, it's a solid performance. It's just a little disappointing that, you know, they they had a chance to kind of get off to such a good start. I mean, we're really really high on Texas State right now. If they <laughs> score one more touchdown <laughs> to start the to start the season, maybe you know, we'll like, them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh I mean, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, in the, in the other game though, I mean feel bad for app state i mean two years in a row yeah. against the big school in your state you get them to play you you take them down to the wire twice in a row and you can't get either of those wins i mean especially this year when i don't think people expected it out of app state this time around i think everybody thought north carolina was better they thought north carolina was playing at home and they take them to overtime again and just still can't quite get it it's it, it, it's an encouraging sign probably for the mountaineers that they're still a very competitive team after some struggles, relative struggles last year. Um, but yeah, just it, disappointing. I think 
if you're a Mountaineer fan to be so close. Disappointing if you're a Sunbelt fan that that was so close. So another one of those, another week too, where you're like, hey, look at these Power Five wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you just don't get that. I tell you what, though, it, it's too bad, too, because uh, that it doesn't look like North Carolina is interested anytime soon in renewing that rivalry. It, it sounded to me just listening to those guys talk that they were done. Like, yeah, I like, think well, Mac Brown said something to the effect of, uh, yeah, these in-state games are great. They're great for the region. It's North Carolina State's turn to play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let them let them pound their head against yeah, that rock. Yeah. yeah. The big win that our Shane Metlin, our very own Shane Metlin was at. Yeah. The he Dukes went to <laughs> the Cavaliers and walked away 36-35 winners. I did not think that game was going to end in the Sunbelt Conference's favor. I thought for sure that that was going to be the emotional win for UVA with everything going on. But then Jordan McLeod, 224 with a touchdown and Tyson Tyson Lawton picking up two rushing touchdowns. What'd you see there, Shane? Yeah, you talk about Tyson Lawton coming in. Uh, He'd been a little bit banged up They'd kind of limited his carries, but then in the fourth quarter, when they really needed to uh, need some balance on offense, he's the guy who gets in there and gets some big runs for them, uh, gets in the end zone twice. Uh, after losing Solomon Van Horse in week one, him, his emergence could be pretty big going down the stretch. Um, just, you know, seeing that game, you know, I feel like JMU was probably the better team all along. They didn't play particularly well still get the win um huge huge momentum swing was the hour-long lightning delay (laughs) and and really they both teams you know jmu kind of needed the break it was kind of like getting a second halftime at just the right time when things weren't going well for them um they come back out and all the jmu fans stayed not all of the UVA fans stayed after the lightning delay, and it turned into a JMU home game in the fourth quarter. They made their comeback. All praise Zeus chasing <laughs> away the Virginia team with his, or fans with his light or the thunderbolts and giving JMU the advantage. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good win. You know, when I I was sort of half watching that from a bar in Jonesboro, uh, getting they have bars in Jonesboro. We do, yeah. I was having a big beer, <laughs> and and I, they actually serve drinks, by the way, at at the stadium now. I got to go to my seat with a semi cold Bush Light. Mmm, Bush Light. I loved it. But uh, yeah, I, you know, it sounds to me that maybe McLeod was, should have been the starter in the first place. I think I think we're all a little surprised when he wasn't named the starter. At least I was a little surprised. I kind of thought McLeod was going to be the guy, and then he wasn't. And now he is. Do you feel like maybe uh, Kurt Signetti? Uh, just uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't ever say Kurt would make a mistake, but did he make a mistake in not naming McLeod the starter? Um. There was a comment made in the press box at one point <laughs> suggesting that uh, 
imagine how good Jordan McLeod could be if he really worked at it. <laughs> Which I think may have part of been the reason he didn't earn the job uh, to begin with. He, uh, may, he might have come to to a Harrisonburg with maybe a laissez-faire attitude. Potentially, they they may be installing a different attitude in the Jordan McLeod right now. That may well, be the we, part of the process. I think we've all seen athletes from different organizations come in and then get the uh, rude awakening when they realize they can't just coast onto the uh, first team. Well, good for McLeod for finally getting it together. So we're two weeks into the season. Yep. We have four teams undefeated in the East. Yes. Georgia State, Georgia Southern, JMU, and Marshall. Yep. Which one of those do you Which, think is the front runner as we kind of go through the, the rest of the slate? Well, I've got to ask, was the Troy game so bad? We're just not going to talk about it. Yeah, what about the We Troy? did talk about it. <laughs> did we? Did we? I don't think so. I don't. <laughs> you and okay. I talked about it Tim, beforehand. Look, but the we... only thing I know about okay. the Troy Kansas State game is okay. they, Coach Summerall, finally realized that it's a legal play to go in motion in front of the center. As long as you don't touch anybody and you're not going forward, it's a legal motion. Wow, this is a new trend that we need to begin. And it all started in the Sun Belt. <laughs> I tell you what, Summerall in his presser this this morning, he did not look happy. So, uh, so I guess, uh, I guess, I you know what, we no one ever says Summerall's the uh, imposing guy in the Sun Belt. He, he, I think when he crosses his arms, he looks like a man who means business. So uh, he, he could be the most intimidating guy in the Sun Belt. I think I mentioned him last time we. Uh, you might had have, but, but Shane, nobody intimidates you. You're you're a member of the press. You're like a, a Pulitzer Prize winning guy. You go in for the scoop. You know, you, no, no, you never back down from a story. Why would you back down from some role? Well, there's backing down from a story, and there's like not one, not wanting to fight somebody. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're different things. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there before. <laughs> I still can't believe that we didn't talk Troy. I swore we did. <laughs> you and I did. <laughs> but offline. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's all that matters. Okay. Sorry, Prindy. Anyway, back to my other question. The four teams undefeated in the East. Who do you say is the contender out of that group? Well, if you're asking me, and I know you are, uh, I, I would say it's JMU first and Georgia Southern second. I know that Georgia Southern still has things to prove, but I, I really like what I'm seeing coming out <clears throat> of Statesboro right now. I know that Marshall is two and oh two, but I I, uh, I still can't get behind those guys. And Georgia State, you know, I Georgia State always yeah. lets you down. So I feel like it's gonna be JMU and, and Georgia Southern if we're only picking from that that group of four. Yeah, I'm kinda with you. I JMU might have the highest ceiling of that group, but I don't think they're that close to it yet. And I think they've got some things to work out to get there. Um but if they do, I think they have a lot of potential. I think Georgia Southern, like I said before, they're my they're my team that's performed the best so far. They've had the best start, if you know, somewhat relative to expectations, but also just you know, taking care of business against the teams they need to take care of business against. Then hard to argue with their performance so far. I like Georgia Southern. I mean, I think James Madison is definitely the best team in the East right now. 
but with them still not being eligible for the division, they can only be divisional champs again, not the Sunbelt Eastern Division champs. So I, I I give it a little bit of a lean to Georgia Southern in the West, the lone two and O team ULM pretenders. <laughs> they will not be undefeated much longer. Uh, that but, might, that <laughs> might be true, but right right now, who can you look at and go, wow, these guys are really killing it? Yeah, I don't think there is that team in in uh, the West. I I really see everybody being the exact same right now. Um, maybe a little bit of a lean towards Texas state from that big Baylor win. But you could also say that the raging Cajuns have that having already, yes, they lost in that Sunbelt conference opener, but having that experience under their belt, maybe that's where they go. And then they wind up going 11 and one on the season. Yeah. I know that the Monarchs are, are really big on the Monarchs right now and they should be, they should be pretty good with what they see, especially from that offense. But we all agreed guys. We all, the three of us agreed. That ODU is going to be the worst team possibly in the Sun Belt, definitely in the East. And here comes the Cajuns, and they they don't get it done. So do we worry about the Cajuns, or is it that ODU is better than we thought? I mean, I've got All the above. Yeah, three. <laughs> my three thoughts on that game is either I owe Grant Wilson an apology. <laughs> Me too. Or, or Louisiana needs to worry about their defense a little bit. Yeah. Or this was just one of those inexplicable ODU wins, like against Coastal last year. Yeah, well, no, time no. will tell. Time will tell. Maybe there's a little bit of each of those in yeah, there, okay. but time will tell what how that ends up playing out. Uh, ODU's tough in Norfolk. Norfolk. I always yeah. have to with that. So we know that, but still, yeah. I guess. I guess we need. I guess we just need a few more weeks of data, guys. Uh huh. <laughs> Until we get the data. Yeah. We just have to settle for our plugs, promos, and parting mm-hmm. shots. Shane, what do you have? I've got one for you, okay. Tibbs. I can't wait. I love it. <clears throat> How familiar are you with the X League <laughs> of Japanese American football? Is this? I, I know that former show guest, Boogie oh. Knight, Ooh. is over there shining out. I couldn't tell you what team he's playing for, but I know he's in... The Japanese League. Wow. Yeah, and you know, I think I want to become a fan. I found out about the Japanese League because of Boogie Night. I think I want to become a fan of the Japanese League and and follow it because Boogie Night fits in so well over there because their team names are incredible <laughs> as well. You know, they've got the the Fujitsu Frontiers are like the powerhouse of that league. They win it all the time. They've got tons of championships. But they've got teams names like Asahi Soft Drink Challengers, which I think might be Boogie Knight's team. Ooh. And my personal favorite, the Tokyo Gas Creators. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I need to see if they have any gear, any swag apparel for the Tokyo gas creators. We got to get some gear. I I, want to start following this league. I need, you know, as a journalist, as a sports writer, you get, you get kind of roped into like not being able to be a fan in quite the same way Mm -hmm. of like the leagues you cover. And I always like, you know, at one point in my life, it was minor league baseball. You know, I followed the Durham bulls closely. Another point it was like, 
college lacrosse when I didn't have a college lacrosse team to cover and everything. I picked yeah. something to like enjoy rather than work at. I'm going to start following Japanese X league football. I think, I think that's, that's the league for me. Ah, uh, I think that's, I love league. it. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Jeremy. Well, see, I was hoping for like a lead in like, Jeremy, what's your parting shot? Or, or Jeremy, promo? what's your parting shot? Your plug or your promo? <laughs> hey, guys. Both of you went to a game live, right? Yeah, I think T Tibbs went and saw Texas State and San uh, UTSA. And we know that Metlin went to the Virginia JMU game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you, you were there for the live experience. And I went to the Arkansas State-Memphis game. And let me tell you something about these media timeouts now. They are killing the experience for me. It is constant media timeouts now. You know, we, we got rid of, of, of having a, a stopping the clock after a first down. And we've replaced that time, I swear to God, with more commercial breaks. It is a horrendous experience to be sitting in the stands, excited about something that's developing on the field, and all of a sudden the whistle blows, toot, media timeout. What the hell? And you know, the game that I was watching was broadcast on ESPN+. And if you've watched an ESPN Plus broadcast, it's like a coffee commercial and maybe like, I don't know, a commercial for Nugenics, and that's it. It's not like you have to cram those commercials on us and get a bunch of variety. It's the same damn things. So why are you punishing the fans with all of these timeouts and disrupting the flow of the game? For the love of God, college football, get your foot off the gas of greed and do something for the fans just for once in your miserable lives. The best is when it's an ESPN Plus game and they have this break and there's two commercials and then the rest of the time it's the graphic that says your 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 game is in a commercial break. Absolutely, and, I gotta, <laughs> and meanwhile there's a big like there could be twenty to fifty thousand fans just standing there going, "What the hell is going on?" You know, you I, got guys milling on the field, refs talking to each other, nobody's doing anything. It sucks. At least they have. Yeah, the, there was the a timeout. The clock on the stick, though. The clock. On the there stick. was a timeout on Saturday where, like, you know, I was had planned to go to the bathroom during the qu <laughs> quarter, and then there was this timeout, and I'd been sitting there for so long, and I was like, I should have like gone to the bathroom. Like, I had time. Like, it's... well, don't worry. In about two yeah. more minutes, there'll be another timeout. <laughs> so yeah. just, just wait for the next one. It's happening soon. Yeah. Tips, plug, promo, parting shot. I'm all over the place with this one. Okay, all right. First of all, hats off to UTSA. An amazing right. tailgate uh, atmosphere. Almost 40,000 people there at the stadium. Loud, rambunctious crowd. They unveiled their CUSA title banner that they had won last year before bolting for the American. Kudos to them. Kudos to Texas State. It was actually it was a really good game, which is what we were really hoping for. Yes, it didn't go the way we wanted it to, but it was still a great game. Shifting gears from that, we released this the day after 
Yes, it was tragic. Yes, it was horrible. We all remember where it was, where we were. But the good that came out of 9-11 was those two weeks afterwards where we all loved each other. We all took care of one another. Uh-huh. We need to get back there, Jeremy, because it's too crazy in this world. Let's do that. Tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit.